motivation is. But they will be not as bulky as we have discussed now with the administrative thinkers. Because the administrative thinker is supposedly the most bulkiest chapter that we have gone through. And uh, let's now take up this motivation. But before I take up uh, the individual theories uh, for our discussion, uh, as far the motivation is concerned, uh, let me refer to, in general, to certain things that you already know. Like let's say, if you take into account the classical theories of administration, what has been the, the motivational basis or the according to classical theories of organization, what has been the motivational basis of individuals within the organization? Monetary uh, basically, as we have already referred, that if we take into account the classical theories, classical theories have discussed the, the, the idea of motivation, the idea of human motivation from the mono-motivational perspective. No, only one factor being the basis for motivation, that is the money. But see, if you take into account the Taylorian concept, specifically, Taylor did emphasize on the significance of motivation, uh, the significance of money as the, the source of motivation. But at the same time, <clears throat> Taylor says merely, merely the money in itself does not motivate. Simply let's say, if you are recruiting an individual or you simply say, okay, that individual is uh, let's say getting let's say five, and you said okay, it will be increased to ten. So only because you paid ten instead of five, that does not mean that uh, that individual is going to work more. <coughs> he precisely emphasized that money only when it is actually linked with individual's performance then only becomes motivational. So the moment, moment you become conditioned, if you work, then you will get that. Otherwise, you will get this or you will not get this. So when, it become, when the money is conditional to the individual performance, it becomes motivational. But whatever that might be, the classical theories in general, they emphasized on this monetary factor or the material factor as being the basis for motivation. But if you take into account the humanistic theories, the humanistic theories in general, they emphasized on both monetary as well as non-monetary factors and see that for humanistic theories, monetary factors are important. But only to a subsistence level. What is the subsistence level? Basic level. Subsistence level. Only to an extent it is important beyond which it is not important. So beyond a particular level, maybe other factors, other sources are motivational with the referred to as non-monetary. And in this particular context, Bernard might have developed a very comprehensive paradigm related to motivation. And what is the idea to which he has presented this very phenomenon? Contribution, satisfaction, equilibrium. And in his discussion of various inducements, uh, basically different types of inducement that he has 
discussed. So Bernard's theory of administration many a time is being referred as a theory of motivation because uh, he has given, uh, you see, among the classic uh, humanistic theories at an earlier stage. At an early stage, because see, if you take it upon Elton Mayo, Elton Mayo did uh, refer that uh, non-monetary factors are important for motivation. But giving a concrete framework of human motivation, especially at an earlier stage, the credit will go to Bernard. Bernard has given a proper uh, framework. He has developed a, a, a concrete uh, and a framework of human motivation. But as far as the human motivation is concerned, for the first time, an exclusive theory of motivation has been developed by a theorist named Abraham Maslow. Because if you take it upon Bernard, he, though he did actually uh, uh, capture in his theory a, 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 a motivation through a proper framework. He developed a framework to explain human motivation. But that is a part of his overall attempt to explain organizational efficiency. But if you take into account human motivation, exclusive theory of human motivation. For the first time possibly has been developed by a theorist named Abraham Maslow. Now see, following uh, these theorists, there have been a number of other contributions and these various contributions to the human motivation within the organization can be categorized broadly into let's say uh, no, process theorist and contain these contain things of motivation and process theories of motivation. What is the contain theory and what is process theory? Who are the contained theorists and who are the process theorists on motivation? We will be able to understand once we have gone through these individual theories. You know, why such a theory? Let's say Maslow theory will be considered as a contained theory. Hasbrook's theory will be considered as a contained theory. And some other theories that we are going to study, let's say David McLean's theory. Or the ERG theory. So number of these theories that we are going to discuss, they are contained theories or for that matter if you take into account certain theories that we are going to discuss like let's say the job satisfaction, uh, sorry, the, 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 the job in apartment, job experience, no, 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 job experience, there are some theories called job design theory, equity theory. So, number of these theories are there. They will be process theories. But why they are referred to as process theories? Why they are referred to as contained theories? We'll be able to understand only after going through these theories. So, first of all, uh, before we categorize the theories into contained or process and define what is this process are contained and why these theories, some of these theories are contained theories and process theories. First of all, let us try to understand each one of these theories or each of these theories one by one. The first theory that we'll take up for discussion is that of Abraham Maslow.
See, uh, when you refer to Abraham Maslow, Maslow essentially is a humanistic theorist. And as far as the human motivation is concerned, he very much like other humanistic theorists also believed that there are multiple factors motivating a human being that would include both monetary as well as non-monetary. So essentially the humanistic case believed that the motivation of the human being is based on multiple factors and these factors are both monetary factors as well as non-monetary factors. So human being is motivated both by monetary as well as non-monetary factors. But see, he has developed his theory of motivation based on human need. So he has developed his theory around need, human need. So that is why his theory is referred to as a need-based theory. His theory, the, the motivational theory of Maslow is also referred to as a need-based theory. Because he has developed this theory based on human need. Now around the human need. Now if you take into account need, human need, what is a human need? You see, uh, Maslow believes that every individual have need or multiple needs. Each one of us has multiple needs. Moreover, he believes that human being carries number of deficiencies. So we all, as human being, have certain deficiency. And the deficiency results into certain type of urge. So we have certain type of deficiency. We have deficiency of money, or there is a reputation, a number of these things. And this deficiency, in fact, gives rise to urge. Or to fulfill these deficiencies. And basically, that is what is the basis for what we refer to as need. And according to Maslow, multiple needs are there, but broadly, or moreover, he divides these needs into five. Though later on, he has added a sixth one. But his theory basically is a five need theory. His theory has been developed on the basis of five names. Though later on, he has actually referred to a sixth name. Those five names being Self-actualization need. 
So here we refer that if you take into account uh, Maslow, Maslow has discussed this uh, five different needs: physiological need, safety and security need, social need, esteem need, and self-actualization need. Now let us try to understand that. Look at these. So if you take into account physiological need, physiological by physiological need. He basically referred to certain basic needs or certain existential needs like food, shelter, water. Some of the basic or existential needs. Or by safety and security need, he referred to the need for, let's say, bodily security, or need for self-preservation, the need for self-preservation. Let's say, in a particular job place, there might be threat to one's safety. It might be harmful. It might be damaging. Social need. By social need, he refers to the need for association or relaxed supervision. The need for association or need for social relationship. Now, need for simply we can say desirable relationship with superior, subordinate, colleague. By esteem need, he referred to the need for recognition, distinction, achievement, authority. Similarly, if you take into account self-actualization, this primarily refers to the need for realizing oneself. Or the need to do a particular job for the heck of doing it. Or for the sake of doing it. And see, as he referred, see, uh, Lettonian has also referred to a sixth need, though his theory is developed on the basis of five needs. The sixth need is the meta motivational need. With the sixth need is the meta motivational
Anyway, so he has discussed this five needs, though he has later on has referred to a sixth need, but his theory is developed on the basis of these five needs. See, uh, while referring to these needs, because he says individuals are primarily motivated towards fulfilling these needs. So individuals are primarily aiming towards fulfilling these needs. So if in a particular scenario the needs are addressed, that motivates an individual. But see, here Maslow makes a very important contribution. <coughs> Maslow says, though individual aims at fulfilling all these different needs, but at a given point of time, the individual's motivation is not driven on all these needs. Now let me repeat. He said, though individual aims at fulfilling <coughs> all these needs, but at a given point of time, individual is not driven towards the satisfaction of all the needs. And in this context, he introduces a concept that is preponderance of need. The preponderance of need. Also referred to as prepotency of need. The prepotency of need. Let me try to explain what he's trying to say. He said there are so many needs, multiple needs are there. An individual is aiming towards not only monetary but also number of other non-monetary needs and in general is identified as five needs. That means individual aims towards satisfaction of these multiple or five needs. But having said so, he is saying that at a given point of time, individual is not motivated towards the satisfaction of all these needs. That means individual is not aiming towards the satisfaction of all these needs. Rather, at a given point of time, there is only one need that individual is aiming at. So that means at a given point of time, the strength of one need exceeds the strength of all other needs. And that very need is what is being referred as prepotency of need, prepotent need or predominant need. So that means at a given point of time, as far as the individual is concerned, one need is what? Dominant. Now all the needs are not equally dominant. So I need money. I need security. I need bodily security. I need career security. I need recognition. I need reputation. I need good supervisor. All this I need. But at a given point of time, all these needs are not of equal intensity. At a given point of time, my need for money might actually overspore override my need for a good supervisor. I might say, okay, let it be a bad supervisor, it doesn't matter. I need more money. I need money to monetary satisfaction. So at that point of time, what Nasco is saying that all these needs are not equally influential at a given point of time. In fact, he's saying at a given point of time, only one need is more influential as compared to that of 
other needs. And that very need, most more influential need, he is referring to as reported need. He says that only if the prepotent need is addressed or satisfied, individual becomes motivated. You know, only if the prepotent need is satisfied, the individual becomes motivated. And further he says that a satisfied need would be no more motivational. So once a need is satisfied, additional supply of the same need would not be motivating an individual. The satisfied need is no more motivational. It would not motivate. The need that is satisfied would not further motivate. It would not be motivational anymore. But see here he in fact introduces the concept of hierarchy of need. In this particular context he is introducing this notion of hierarchy of need. what is this hierarchy of need? He says, of all these needs, there are certain needs, those are lower order needs. Like let's say, the physiological need and safety security need, he refers to as lower order need. Social need, a middle order need, esteem and self-actualization are higher order needs. So the physiological and the safety security is the lower order need. Social is the middle order need, esteem and self-actualization is a higher order need. physiological, safety, security, social, esteem and self-actualization is not satisfied, then he says the first need that becomes pre-potent is the physiological need. So to begin with, which need becomes pre-potent? Physiological need. Something simply is trying to say, like let's say. See, let's say, for example, all your needs are not satisfied. That means you need money, you need security, you need recognition, everything. So none of these needs are addressed. To begin with, let's say your boss says, or let's say an individual says, I will give you a job, in that job you will get recognition, but I can't give you money. Maslow is saying that individual is not going to work. Why? Because see, for an individual who, for whom 
all the needs are not satisfied. Which need will be reported? Physiological. That means at that point of time, an individual will be seeking for the satisfaction of its own basic needs. So maybe, moment you understand, as Nasco will say, if an individual's all the needs are not satisfied, you simply say, if you come and work, I will give you money. So that will be motivational. So money will be motivational at a basic level. But at the same time, Haji says that once a need is satisfied, the satisfied need is no more motivational. That will say, how will you get a salary and you get the salary, the money is actually there. Additional supply of money will be no more motivational in the same way. Rather, Haji says, a satisfied need will lead towards the search for a higher order need or search for the next order need. So moment let's say the physiological need has been addressed. So the additional supply of the physiological need will not be motivational, rather the individual will seek satisfaction of which need? Safety and security. So initially when you didn't have anything, when, when somebody told, come and work, I will give you money, you already went and worked in that. But once you found, okay, my daily needs and all these things are addressed, my food and all these are addressed, then you start thinking, Acha, this job is hazardous job. Maslow will say, initially this hazard will not come to the mind. Because at that point of time, only thing that will bothering you is, yes, I mean, how I am going to sustain myself. So moment that sustenance is actually taken care of, next you will find, this hazardous job, it might actually cause harm to me, this pollution, problem So basically the next need that is going to motivate at the same level, if a job is offered which is comparatively safe, you will readily opt for that. So basically as I say, the next order need that is going to actually motivate the individual is the safety and security needs. But similarly, Moment the safety security needs are actually fulfilled. Now you have a job which is comparatively safe. You get a salary that is adequate to sustain yourself. Till now, you may not be bothering yourself about which type of colleague I am working with, what type of if subordinate if at all, or what type of boss, whether boss is actually authoritarian, abusive, all this will not actually appeal to you or affect you at an initial stage. So the paid for your time. I cannot work with this fellow. Or that like and dislike will start flowing with regard to significant others. So that is what Master says. With the satisfaction of the safety and security need, that will lead towards the urge for the satisfaction of the next order need. And what is that need? The social need. The social need will become important. And moment places the social need is actually fulfilled. The satisfaction of the social need will lead towards the urge for the satisfaction of the next order need that is esteem. Boss can be going problem here. Next time I you must be hearing to number of people that now I want to do some, something which is more productive. So people become more choosy. So here he is referring 
like the next one need that is going to actually be motivational in the esteem need that is the need for recognition, need for achievement, need for authority. And similarly, the satisfaction of the esteem need it will lead towards the satisfaction or urge for the satisfaction of self-actualization. Now, as already have referred, what is self-actualization? It is a it is a need for feeling fulfilled. It is a need to take up a particular activity because of that activity itself. For the sake of that activity, for sake of doing that activity. Why? Because that activity itself gives the individual pleasure. So in that particular context, the job does not become an instrument for achieving another goal. The job itself becomes the goal in itself. The job is not an instrument to, let's say, any other finality, the job itself is the finality. Let me slightly elaborate this aspect. See, many times you find we do things for something else. You might take into poetry, law, accountancy, civil service. Why? Because you want recognition, you want reputation, you want authority, you want career security, number of these things. But ultimately, the very activity that you are going, you are doing, this activity is only a means for what? Achieving something else. So that becomes a basis for recognition, something external to it. But see, many a time you find certain people, they would say, I am doing this, I am enjoying this. And fully see, whether money is there or not, whether they are getting a recognition or not, whether there is a reputation or not, whether they are enjoying authority in that particular activity or not, what they are actually trying to say, irrespective of that, if you remove these things from this job, I am actually enjoying this job not because it gives me recognition. I am enjoying this job not because it gives me, let's say, the, the, the money or security or let's say number of these things. I am doing this job, I am enjoying this job, because of this job itself, I think my nature is this. So many times you'll find people, let's say, you simply to become a civil servant, grow up in the hierarchy, occupy various positions, get to for yourself, get for yourself number of distinctions, occupy many key positions. One fine day you might think, I should be taken to poetry. And if somebody asks you, why are you going for poetry? So you, you, your, your explanation will not be, you see I did that, now it's a challenging thing, let me do that. No, you're not doing that for challenge, you're not doing that for this appreciation or recognition or fame. You, why did you take to poetry? Because one fine day you might find, this is the job I'm meant for, this is what I'm deriving pleasure. So taking to poetry, not to earn something. 
taking to poetry because through poetry you feel fulfilled. Poetry itself is giving you pleasure. Always say you take to traveling. You become a traveler. And somebody asks, you say, no, this is what I do. Because by doing this, I'm enjoying pleasure. So I'm doing it for the heck of doing it. So you might actually take to a number of different activities. If you take it up a mountain, there are a number of people, even at a very late age, they keep doing, keep going for mountain. So if one who first time actually reached the Everest, multiple times went there, and there are a number of or people who, who, who maybe not, not necessarily are very young, right from a very early age, and for a late age, late age, they have been actually going for mountaining at a very high altitude. And see, at a very high altitude, it's physically painful, but still they do keep doing it. Not to prove something, not to put their name in some record, but because that is what gives them immense pleasure. So what is self-actualization? Self-actualization refers to a situation of fulfillment, of realization. It is a type of scenario or situation where individual does something for the sake of doing that. Does something in which that individual derives pleasure. Let me actually bring in what it is rather uh, one event and uh, with due caution I will be introducing this very often I refer to this particular instance and uh, as I would say with due caution we will try to relate to this phenomena uh, see uh, a few of you might have uh, witnessed I don't know because a couple of years before, uh, one particular uh, individual was on the national television. Basically, uh, that individual was a police officer. Uh, basically, an IPS officer of the UP cadre. Nowadays, being a common man, not a policeman, in UP is an industry. <laughs> Both way. Sad. Anyway. That is a police officer, an IPS officer. He was, in fact, an officer of the rank of IG, Inspector General of Police. That means a very senior most police officer of the state. And uh, once it so happened that he was on the national television for all wrong reasons. A small clip was released to the media by the most confident of that individual, his wife, and that is basically, uh, he was actually a Mr. Ponda, uh, the IG rules and manuals of UPI police administration. And uh, in that uh, clip, that small video clip, it was actually showing 
that Mr. Panda was wearing sari, bangles, no, sindoor, uh, everything of a female, no, the entire attire is that of a female. And uh, uh, see, uh, he is actually uh, you know, doing puja, you know, worship of uh, Krishna. When the, actually the, the media actually confronted and uh, asked him, why are you doing all these things? Then he actually retorted that this is what I am. I am Radha. So since I am Radha, so I have to actually do puja for Krishna. So this is what I am doing. So basically, see, in this particular tradition, provided, that's what I am saying, being cautious. Because it is also, because the, the foot is also so, that how he is also attending office with the police dress. But again, with a few of the bangles and his, uh, the, 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 the ornament of the ear and all these things are there. So see, with a note of caution, provided this is not a case of insanity, provided. See here, this is nothing to do with the job. This, this police officer, Mr. Panda, is not doing this. He, okay, I became an IPS officer, cleared the exam, and I'm a senior police officer, and hardly people know me. Now, let me do it. So he's not getting to, you know, doing it for recognition. He's not doing it as a matter of challenge. Okay, achha, I manage police, I let me do this. Not many of uh, people are not able. So he's not actually doing it for challenge. He's not doing it for, let's say, recognition. He's not doing it for, let's say, occupying some authority, supernatural authority or something like that. Okay, this is what will give me authority. So basically, he's doing it provided not a case of insanity, doing it as he states. Why? Because that is what he thinks he is. Basically, he's doing it because he said, I love doing it. By doing it, I desire the right pleasure. I feel good. So in that case, that would be a case of what? Self-actualization. But again, only to make you understand, I put it forward. So, because the evidence would be a, a, a more in favor of what you say a neurological case than of what a case of self actualization. But again, I hope you are able to understand what is this hmm? self actualization. Now, see, if you take into account self actualization with the conclusion of the self actualization or satisfaction of self actualization, what will happen next? Because, see, physiological need fulfilled. Safety security. Safety security fulfilled. Social. Social fulfilled. Esteem. Esteem fulfilled. Self-actualization. Self-actualization fulfilled. Huh? <laughs> 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 A very nice concept he has introduced. He says, needs are deficit needs and growth needs. So not necessarily all the needs are deficit needs. So generally needs are, arise out of what? Human deficiency, generally. But not necessarily all the needs are actually deficit needs. Self-actualization is a growth need. So only when it is a deficit, deficit means what? That's a deficiency. And if that is a deficiency, that is you start feeling. And that will be finiteness. So it will be filled. So moment is filled, no more required. But this, is, this need is not a 
Deficit need it is a growth need. So growth need are infinite needs. Which type of need they are? Infinite needs. So that means see, these are everlasting needs. These are eternal needs. That is not that it will get fulfilled. Because you are not deriving something out of it that itself is giving you pleasure. So are you able to understand between uh, or differentiate between the deficit need and the growth need? So these are all these needs are actually finite needs. The higher order needs, basically self-actualization need is an infinite need, everlasting need. But see, uh, if you take into account the Maslow's explanation, Maslow's explanation was criticized. This hierarchy of need was criticized, the prepotency of need and the, the hierarchy of need was criticized on the basis that uh, he is talking about at a given point of need time, there is only one need to the exclusion of other needs. So it was immediately criticized. Criticized for what? That he is trying to emphasize that at a given point of time, only one need is present and all other needs are not there. And the need that is present is influencing the individual, but see, others say it is not true. But Maslow responded. Maslow responded that in my theory of need hierarchy, I'm not claiming that at a given point of time only one need is present. Only one need is prepotent. So it's not saying only one need is present, only one need is prepotent. In order to clarify this, he further brought in another notion that is need mix. So, in order to clarify this, he introduced another notion that is the need mix. What is need mix? That is, at a given point of time, multiple needs are present. So, the other needs, let's like say social need, is very much there, safety, security need is very much there, esteem need is very much there. But out of this multiple needs that are present, only one need is most influential. So that's what he clarified. That my theory is not actually emphasizing that at a given point of time, only one need is present to the exclusion of other needs. Rather, multiple needs are present, and out of this multiple needs, only one need is prepotent. And the prepotent need becomes the basis for motivation. So this is what is the the the, the master's response to the critic. But see, subsequently he maintained that within the organization, most of the individuals remain at the lower order need. It is not that everybody, everyone will grow up to what? Okay, all these needs. 
They will go to higher up need. They will go to the self-actualization need. Rather, he says, if you take into account the organization or in general, people remain at which which order need? Lower order need. That means all of us, most of us are actually at a no, just at ourselves within the safety need and safety security, or sorry, physiological need and the safety security need. Or at a social need. Rarely, very less number of people go up to, let's say, the, the, the esteem need, or very, very rarely people go up to self-actualization need. So, very, very less number of people, or very category of people, they in fact actually reach up to that particular need. But having said so, another aspect is said. Let's see, it is easy to control the behavior of the people, those are at the lower of need. And as the individuals move up in the hierarchy, uh, hierarchy of need, or up in the need hierarchy, their behavior gradually becomes difficult to control. So who are easy to manage, who are easy to handle, people who are actually there at the lower order need. Because their behavior will be predictable, they can be more controlled. Why? Because see, the resource is what? Material. That is finite. Very much finite, very much objective, very much calculable or measurable. So anything that is measurable, easy to handle or difficult to handle? Easy to handle. So monetary needs and all this, these are very okay, calculable things. So it is easy to handle and they are easy to control the human behavior. But see, I think what often had the social becomes more subjective. For you, a type of supervision might be alright. Another fellow, that supervision may not be alright. For you, one type of behavior might be cordial, another that may not be cordial. So subjectivity increases. It's still more subjectivity. So as one grows up in the hierarchy of me, the behavioral pattern becomes more and more unpredictable, thereby it becomes more and more difficult to control. At the same time, Maslow says, individuals at the self-actualization stage are very difficult to control. So people who are at the stage of self-actualization, they are very difficult to control because no more you will be able to know whether they are at all motivated to work or not. और काम करने का इच्छा है कि नहीं वो भी पता करना मुश्किल है पता चला ये ऑफिस जाके गार्डनिंग में लगे हैं क्यों गार्डनिंग अच्छा या फिर नॉवेल रीडिंग में लगे Or 
That's what he says. When all the needs are not fulfilled, the work becomes important. When all the needs are removed, that means all the you are saying, yeah, cha, abhi ka paisa hai, security ho gaya hai, and name recognition ye sab hai. तो वो सिर्फ फैक्चुरेशन बोल रहा है कि आप मैं वही करूंगा जो मुझे अच्छा लगता है आप बोल रहे हो कि हटा दो उसका प्रॉपर्टी वगैरह सब रिफर बना दो रिमूव ना सो मोमेंट यू रिमूव दिस तो ऑल दिस नीड्स बिकम्स व्हाट अवेलेबल और अनअवेलेबल सो व्हेन ऑल दिस आर अनसैटिस्फाइड ऑल द नीड्स आर अनसैटिस्फाइड देन व्हिच बिकम्स रिपोर्टेड जेनोटिकली छोटी-छोटी भागी का काम तो भाई कर दे दो दैट्स मैसेज That's master. Anyway, uh, are you able to understand? So you might have your own objections to master. There are a lot of objections to master. But did you understand it? Yes, He's saying that people at the level of self-actualization are very difficult to actually control because very difficult to predict their behavior, and moreover, it is difficult to understand whether they anymore they are anymore motivated or not. If at all they are motivated or not. So this is what is the Maslow's theory of need hierarchy. <coughs> In a way, some some aspects are convincing or not. Certain aspects are convincing or not. जब कुछ भी नहीं होगा उस समय अगर बोलोगे तुम्हारा नाम होगा ये काम करो करोगे पहले बोलो भाई पहले पैसा दे दे उसके बाद देखा जाएगा. So see, if you take it upon the Maslow's theory. The theory goes to the master for introducing for for the first time a comprehensive theory of motivation, an exclusive theory of motivation. At the same time, his theory also includes certain arguments in a very logical fashion. Commonsensually, his theory appears to be appealing. I mean, commonsensually means. कॉमन सेंस ज्यादा दिमाग बिना लगाए सिर्फ अगर सुन रहे हो लगेगा हाँ हाँ ठीक तो है मैं कुछ नहीं मिल रहा है तो पहले बोलोगे कि सैलरी दो जब सैलरी पॉकेट में पैसा आ गया उसके बाद नखरा सुनो ये काम नहीं करूंगा यार इस पर चोट लगने का डर है फिर उसके बाद इसके साथ काम नहीं करूंगा इससे मेरा नहीं पड़ेगा तो दिस थिंग कॉमन सेंस अपीलिंगली And uh, there is significance to his theory, and more importantly, his theory became the basis for further theorization, further intensive theorization on motivation. But see, his theory is deficient on many accounts. His theory is deficient on many accounts, a number of accounts. And see. Most of this uh, deficiency and critics, we will study through certain contemporary motivational theories, which we will take up. We are going to take up either to as a ERG theory and other theories. Those theories are in fact first criticism to the Maslow's theory, and subsequently they will, but they have introduced their own ideas. So uh, here you write, refer to the contemporary theories of motivation. As far as the limitations of this theory is concerned, you write therefore to the contemporary theories of motivation.
See, uh, here, before we enter into those contemporary theories of motivation, another theory that would be contemporary to the Maslow's theory, let us discuss, that is Friedrich Hasberg's theory. A part of it, or at least a introductory portion, let's take up. All of you have gone through the criticism today or not? See, Hasberg is also a humanistic theorist, a humanistic motivational theorist. And he has developed this theory on human goal. So, goal is the basis, and the goal is the notion around which he has developed his theory. Maslow has developed his theory around need. Hasberg has developed his theory on the basis of goal. And he similarly believed that a human being aims at multiple goals or aims at attaining multiple goals. Now, agreeing with uh, other humanistic theorists, he also believed there are monetary goals as well as non-monetary goals. Do you know what is teleology? In the best. In the best. Result best. Result best? The first statement was right. Second statement that will be having some problem. See, teleological basically means aim, purpose, not result. Result is 
consequence. Consequence. And one of the technological aspect is consequentialism. That is result oriented. But moment you talk about teleology, teleology is a, it is a philosophy or it's an ideology that emphasizes that everything has a purpose. So a theory developed from that platform is being referred to as teleological. Any, any, anything that is actually based on that very philosophy, that everything has an aim. So if that is the foundation, that theory is basically teleological. Let me say, if you take into account husband, husband in fact believes that human being is governed by two sovereigns. Human, being, uh, human beings are primarily governed by two sovereigns. And what are the sovereigns? Pleasure and pain. You know, pain and pleasure. Basically, it's trying to say that if you take into account human being by design, by its very design, likes pleasure and do not like pain. So thereby, there is a general tendency in the human being to move towards something pleasurable and move away from something that is painful. So by very design, by, by its very nature itself. So that we are actually pleasure seeking and pain avoiding. So we avoid pain and we seek out pleasure. So our behavior, the human behavior is primarily hovering around this uh, uh, the seeking of pleasure and avoidance of pain. So from that perspective, Hartberg says the human behavior can also be discussed or analyzed or explained from these two perspectives. So human being in a general, uh, in general, and its behavior in general can be explained, can be understood from these two perspectives. That is, human being in a particular situation will be always driven towards pleasure and will also uh, simultaneously would like to avoid pain. <laughs> so in that particular context, he divides the goal of the human being broadly into two. Based on this, yes, why the human goal was a great broadly of two, two categories. And what are these two categories? One, the avoidance of pain, or what he refers to as dissatisfaction. human being would like to actually avoid as a goal, it will also would, would aim towards a condition where there is no dissatisfaction. So avoidance of pain. And the second is seeking psychological pleasure or psychological growth. That is seeking satisfaction.
So based on this, he categorized these two different types of goals into hygiene factors and motivators, dissatisfiers or satisfiers. Now based on this, these are the two major uh, aspects to the goal. He believed that human being has multiple goals, but broadly these goals could be divided into these two categories. One that fall into the category of avoiding dissatisfaction, avoiding pain, and other that will fall into the category of let's say being satisfied or you know achieving satisfaction or the psychological growth or pleasure. So based on this, it divides the human goals into two categories. One is hygiene factor that is basically related to avoidance of dissatisfaction. The hygiene factor is also referred to as dissatisfiers. Hygiene factor. They are also referred to as dissatisfiers. It is also referred to as maintenance factor. Maintenance. Maintenance factors. And the hygiene factor or dissatisfied or the maintenance factors, they are also the deficit goals. <coughs> or finite goals. There are also the deficit goals, there are also finite goals. On the other hand, the other goal is referred to as motivators or satisfiers. And they are also the growth factors or growth goals. Now see, if you take into account in the job within the organization, Hasbrook says in a job Individual seeks the satisfaction of multiple goals. And these goals could be divided into which type of goals? Dissatisfiers and satisfiers. And here he refers that what are the dissatisfiers in the job? Those are salary, supervision, physical condition of work, or company policy and administration. or social surrounding so as far as the hygiene factors are concerned or dissatisfiers are concerned in the job what are those? salary or interpersonal relationship physical condition of work
a company policy and administration on the other hand if you take into account the motivators of satisfiers those are recognition responsibility work itself authority So these are the you know, various factors categorized into the hygiene and motivators. Now see why it is being referred to as hygiene factors. Why they have become you know, referred to as motivators or you know, what is the term? Because see, uh, he is referring that if you, if you take into account a job, there are certain factors which are related to the job. And there are certain factors those are within the job itself. So certain factors those are related to the job are surrounding factors, environmental factors and those are being referred to as hygiene factors. Like a salary, salary is related to the job, outside of the job. Or interpersonal relationships, superior, subordinate, colleague. They are related to the job, they surround the job or the physical condition of work or the company policy and administration, all these are basically surrounding the job. So that is why they are referred to as what? Hygiene factors. On the other hand, if you take into account certain other factors, they are the part of the job itself. Recognition. Or is authority. The nature of the job. Not the, the, the work itself. So that is one category of coal those are related to the job that is actually outside the job so they are actually extrinsic so they are extrinsic those are extrinsic factors and there are certain categories those are actually part of the job so those are basically intrinsic factors but see Hasbog says so all these goals are important because the human being all these goals are belonging to whom? The human being and within the organization belonging to the individual within the organization. But see, significantly he makes a, makes a departure from national. He says all the goals individual seeks. The individual seeks the satisfaction of all the goals. I need, I seek, I aim at salary, I aim at let's say physical condition, good physical condition, good superior or let's say recognition, authority. So at a given point of time, I, 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 I aim at all this. But all these factors are not motivational. Only the category of this is motivational and he refers to the intrinsic factors being motivational. So human being aim at both extrinsic as well as intrinsic factors. Hygiene factors as well as motivators. But which factors are actually motivational? Intrinsic. 
So that means the factors that truly induces individual towards the job, that means induces an individual to put its entire potential to the job. That means an in, those factors that drive an individual intensively towards the job are these motivational factors or intrinsic factors. So that is why he says that all these goals are not motivational, only one type of goals are motivational and that is the intrinsic goals are motivational. What is a master saying? All the needs are motivation. What is Herbert saying? All the goals are not motivational. Human being might be seeking the, the satisfaction of all these goals, might be aiming towards attaining all these goals, but all these goals are not motivational. Only if a type of goal is motivational that is referring to us, intrinsic goals. Now, in this, if you take into account the Hasbuk's outline, Hasbuk is saying that one category of goal are actually hygiene. Why? With the surrounding job. And they are categorized as well as extrinsic. Another category are referred to as intrinsic because they are part of the job. But at the same time, one category that is intrinsic is referred to as motivators. Why? Because that is what is motivational. The all other is not motivational. That is what is motivational. So that is why he refers those intrinsic goals as motivators. But at the same time, he says that these goals gives rise to two different types of cognitive feeling. Or simply two different types of feeling in the human being. One that is responsible for satisfaction and other that is responsible for dissatisfaction. So these goals, they are responsible for two different types of feeling. One that in fact gives the feeling of dissatisfaction and other that, one that is related to dissatisfaction and other that is related to satisfaction. That means say, if you take into account Hasbog, Hasbog is not considering these two feelings, such as satisfaction and dissatisfaction, as a part of the same continuum or at the extreme end of the same continuum. That means he is not referring to satisfaction and dissatisfaction from a bipolar perspective. Rather, he is referring to satisfaction and dissatisfaction from an unipolar perspective. So if we take into account the husband, so husband going referring to these uh, various goals, he's saying there are two different types of goals and uh, 
related to satisfaction, other related to dissatisfaction. And here, in his theorization, is not actually referring to the cognitive process involving satisfaction or the dissatisfaction from a bipolar perspective. Rather, it's dealing with dealing with it from unipolar perspective. Now, what exactly is this? Let me bring in a few examples, few references. See, that is extrinsic factor and intrinsic. Extrinsic basically refers to salary, interpersonal relationship, physical condition of water, company policy and administration, these are the things. And the intrinsic factor is recognition, authority, responsibility, work itself, you know, these are the things. He said, let's say, an individual in a particular job, that job has a salary. And the salary is low, it would result into, which part he said, extrinsic, extrinsic factor, he is referring as dissatisfiers. Extensive factors are related to dissatisfaction. He said, let's say the salary is low. If salary is low, it is discomfort. It will give rise to a feeling of dissatisfaction. But salary being high will not give you a feeling of satisfaction. What is that it will give you a feeling? Absence of dissatisfaction. Or let's say boss being bad will give you a feeling of dissatisfaction, but boss being good will not give you a feeling of satisfaction. Or if the physical condition of work, if it is dirty, dingy, humid, temperate, no, not temperate, high temperature, then in that particular context, that will give you what? The feeling of dissatisfaction. But let's say it is clean, neat, cool, or comfortable, it is not necessarily give you the feeling of satisfaction. On the other hand, he say, in the job, if you have more authority, it will give you satisfaction, and there is no less authority or no authority, that doesn't mean that will give you dissatisfaction. Only thing what will be upset? The satisfaction will be upset. If the job is very nice, increased job, provides a challenge, authority, so in that job, you will derive satisfaction, you will feel satisfied, satisfaction. If these are not there, only thing that will be absence of satisfaction. You know, understand this aspect, it might create trouble. So what is that is finally trying to say? That see, we carry a psychological stereotype. We carry a halo effect in our mind. What is that? Generally, we consider satisfaction and the dissatisfaction from a binary point of view. We think satisfaction is opposite to dissatisfaction and dissatisfaction is opposite to satisfaction. So he says this is not true. He says that simply let's say you ask somebody, are you satisfied? If the individual says no, then we think, well, you look, that fellow is dissatisfied. And if you ask someone, are you dissatisfied? And the fellow says no. Then you might presume, okay, that fellow is satisfied. But this is not so. An individual might be satisfied, but it may not be. Or say, an individual may not be satisfied, but at the same time may not be 
dissatisfied. The individual may not be dissatisfied, but at the same time may not be satisfied. So here in this particular context, if you try to understand this particular aspect, Hasberg is highlighting that satisfaction and dissatisfaction are not binary. So thereby they are not bipolar. What do you mean by bipolar? Like let's say we say earth is bipolar. Why do you say that? Because that is a north pole, that is a south pole. And north pole, south pole are on what? Same continuum. They are part of the same continuity. But if this continuity, they might be occupying the extreme ends. That is why they refer to as what? Bipolar. But they are not in the same continuity. They are not dissimilar. They might be actually very dissimilar. But if they are not in the same continuity, they are separate. And they are separate, they will be referred to as unipolar. They are not bipolar. So here if you take it upon Hasbub, Hasbub is saying there are certain factors, certain goals within the organization, those are related to dissatisfaction and there are certain goals those are related to satisfaction. Like he says, or simply if you take it upon his idea, Hasbub's theory of this two-factor theory or two-goal theory is also referred to as unipolar trade theory. Next theory is also referred to as unipolar trade theory. Why is so? Now we can understand this through uh, a graphic presentation by Harper itself. So let's actually bring in a graphical presentation of her work through it. He tried to communicate his idea. So he says satisfaction and dissatisfaction are independent feelings. So he is referring, let's say satisfiers. What are the satisfiers? Recognition, authority, work itself, responsibility and all this. He says if they are adequately present in the job, adequately supplied in the job, that means it is positive. So this will lead to something called satisfaction. Need to to satisfaction. On the other hand, if it is not adequately supplied, it will result into absence of satisfaction.
Similarly, if adequately, these satisfiers are addressed, that means good salary, relaxed supervision, good physical condition of work, if they are adequately addressed, then this will result into absence of dissatisfaction. On the other hand, if they have not been adequately addressed, then this is what will lead towards This pictorial aspect is uh, clear to all of you. So he's simply trying to say that these two factors operate at two different levels. So the extrinsic factors are the different type of influence of and the intrinsic factor is a different type of impact. The extrinsic factor is related to dissatisfaction and the intrinsic factor has a relation to satisfaction. That means he's trying to say that in a particular job in the same job, in a particular job, an individual might be satisfied and at the same time might be dissatisfied. Might be satisfied, at the same time might be dissatisfied. In a particular job, an individual might experience absence of satisfaction, might as well experience absence of dissatisfaction. Or similarly, might be satisfied and there might be absence of dissatisfaction. Or there might be also absence of satisfaction as well as dissatisfaction. How? Let's take some hypothetical examples. Let's say an individual working in some NGO, non-governmental organization. If you take into account some individual working in a non-governmental organization, so many a time you will find that uh, the individual might be paid less, salary might be less. And at the same time, physical condition of work may not be very high. It may not be very conducive. So if, if that is the case, if that is the case, According to her work, what is the type of feeling that individual would be having? Dissatisfaction. Salary is bad, very, let's say low. Free benefits are low. Physical condition of work is not very nice. So maybe remote, rural, difficult conditions. But let's say the job might be a very meaningful job. So it might involve, let's addressing to the life or the conditions of poor and all these things. So the work itself is what? Very increased. So in that particular context, the individual in that particular position will be experiencing dissatisfaction as well as satisfaction. 
On the other hand, if you take into account an individual who is working in a let's say multinational company, <coughs> that individual has a let's say well-defined career prospect. He has a very high salary. Other French benefits. Has a very neat, tidy, glamorous place to work. And the job at hand is, may not be very demanding, very neat. Supervision might be very relaxed. The colleagues might be very helpful. So if you take into account this particular condition, this is a case of what? Absence of dissatisfaction. But at the same time, let's say that individual feels the work is very routine, repetitive. Without much of, let's say, creativity, innovativeness, or, or at the same time, without much of authority, challenge. So in that particular context, that individual experiences not dissatisfaction, rather absence of satisfaction. So if you take into account on one, in, this particular individual in the NGO might be satisfied, but at the same time dissatisfied. But if you take into account this individual in a multinational company, might be. Might be experiencing absence of satisfaction, though there is also absence of dissatisfaction. So that is what Bhagavad is saying. That's see, all the goals that individual in an organization aims at are not related to the same type of feeling. If one is related to satisfaction, other is related to dissatisfaction. That means one set of factors are related to absence or presence of satisfaction or other set of factors are related to the absence or presence of dissatisfaction. See, Hasbuk says, the managers should aim at addressing both these goals. So managers should not be aiming at addressing only one set of goals. Rather to the not addressing the both the set of goals. Vidagati <coughs> says, in the case of the deficiency in either of these goals, the individual might leave the organization. He said both the goals, if you are a manager, so you should be aiming at both the goals, addressing both the goals. But in case any of these factors or any of these goals are not addressed, so in case let's say the dissatisfiers are not addressed, or for that matter, the satisfiers are not addressed, what will happen? That the possibility that the individual might leave the organization. So like let's say, an individual who is actually employed in a multinational company many a time leaving the job in that particular context is not actually leaving the job out of dissatisfaction, but leaving the job out of the search for satisfaction. <coughs> On the other hand, an individual who is let's say leaving many times you find people in government, they also leave for private sector. 
So many a time the case might be, it's not that an individual is living for the search of satisfaction, but maybe that individual is experiencing dissatisfaction. So that is what he's saying that both the aspects are important. You need to take into account both the salary, interpersonal relationship, or let's say the company policy and administration, along with let's say the nature of the job responsibility and all these aspects. Because any one being deficient might result into individual leading the organization. But having said so, he maintains that which of these two is motivational? Which of these two is motivational? That means what actually influences the individual most towards the job? The motivators, intrinsic factors. But another important contribution is Hulbuck says that the satisfaction of this satisfies last for a temporary period of time or in less last for a less longer period of time as a result of which a continuous replenishment of these factors are required So what is that he say? That if you take into account these hygiene factors, the satisfaction of dissatisfied or the hygiene factors are actually for a limited period of time, temporary period of time or a short period of time. That is why the continuous replenishment of these factors are required as a result of which these factors are referred to as maintenance factors. So why they are referred to as maintenance factors? It is repeated regularly. Continuously, this factors needs to be addressed. That is why these factors are being referred to as maintenance factors. Uh, let me give an example here. Like it's a when the pay commission comes and the salary is increased. There's a good feeling or not <coughs> on the provided it's not very small increase. Otherwise, a good feeling. So when the salary is increased, so people have a good feeling. That good feeling is not that of satisfaction, but that's a feeling of absence of dissatisfaction. But as Hasbun uh, says through his study, you see, it, this avoids dissatisfaction for a temporary period of time and very soon it comes back if I come or GA. So that is what Hasbun is saying that the satisfaction of the dissatisfiers 
leading towards absence of dissatisfaction, but that feeling of absence of dissatisfaction lasts for a very limited period of time before it decreases. So that is why it is required periodical replenishment of the maintenance factors or of the dissatisfiers. That is why they are referred to as maintenance factors. On the other hand, the satisfiers being satisfied lasts long. The satisfiers being satisfied lasts long. That we see once the, the job, you know, see the satisfiers are the intrinsic factors. See so the, the job, these intrinsic factors are there. That means the, the need for this goal is satisfied for a longer period of time. That is why they are not referred to as maintenance factors. And that is the reason why the maintenance factors are deficit factors and the, 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 the satisfiers are growth factors. So that means uh, within the organization, as per the husband, the motivation primarily comes from which factors? Intrinsic. But as I said, both the factors need to be taken into account, otherwise the individuals might leave the organization. Because it is very important because the individual in general on one account is seeking psychological growth, another account is seeking avoiding pain. So both these things are the need. That means these are the goal. Both, the, uh, both, both these things are the goal of the human being. So in the absence of any one of these goals, individual is going to be less disturbed or might leave the organization. So both are required. But for maximum productivity, the, the individual's maximum contribution, which factors are important? The satisfiers are important. See, having discussed uh, these two factors, he maintains that the individuals within the organizations are of two types. So individuals broadly can be divided into two types. Yes, okay, sir. Broadly can be divided into two types that is hygiene seekers and motivation seekers. That means what is trying to say is that if you take into account the organization within the organization, each and every individual is not moved towards the satisfaction of these goals or moved towards the attainment of these goals with equal intensity. Rather, there are few who primarily aim the satisfaction of the dissatisfiers, and there are others 
for whom the satisfiers are more important. So there are few for whom dissatisfied is more important for them salary, fringe benefits, this like the physical condition of the work. Like this, like some people say, na, kuch log ke liye ye tam, jam, ye sab jada mahine lagta hai. So those are basically which type of uh, individuals? Hygiene seekers. But there are others for whom the nature of the job, the distinction and the the the, the pride of the job, the challenge in the job, that is more important. So there, what motivation? So that means husband saying that all the individuals in the organization they are not actually having the same type of priority. It might be for for one it is high and other it is let's say the motivators. Now if you refer to the high end seekers, as husband says, the high end seekers primarily aim at the satisfaction of dissatisfiers. So they are primarily aiming at the satisfaction of dissatisfiers. So thereby, they will sharply react to the supply of dissatisfiers. They will be sharply reacting to the supply of dissatisfiers. That means, moment more money, very happy. Better condition of work, very happy. Or another way, they are less tolerant towards the variation in dissatisfiers. So they are less tolerant towards the variations in dissatisfiers. What does this mean? So moment salary increases, decreases. Moment other physiological, other this hygiene factors actually are varying. So the variation in this can be very much observed in the behavior of the the hygiene seekers because they very much respond to this and they are very much intolerant. That means very reactive to these factors. And as per Hasbrook, hygiene seekers are not high performers. And further it says, hygiene seekers are most of the time either very rigid or normless. Very rigid or normless. See what does this mean? That means those who are actually hygiene seekers, either they are very rigid, so too 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 strictly disciplined, they will strictly go by the laws, rules, regulation, or on the other hand, normless. Look at that. So that is why hygiene seekers are referred to as barrack soldiers. You know barrack? Barrack, what is it? Yeah. 
Basically, the armed person they stay there training and all these things. And if you go to a barrack, what is the most striking feature that you actually might notice? What is the most striking feature that you might notice in a barrack? Everything is arranged in a different way. Everything is arranged in a formal way. You will find that everything is almost like a defined way. अगर लोगों को देखोगे वहां देर अटायर होगी और मोस्टली डिफाइंड होगी ना सबका बाल भी इस तरह एक टाइप से काट दिया होंगे एंड द रूटीन इज एक्चुअली स्टेरियोटाइपिकल फाइव ओ क्लॉक ऑफ गेट आउट और गेट अप और फाइव थर्टी और फिर बेरे नहीं और फाइव फोर्टी फाइव पीटी स्टार्ट्स नहीं करते and as we have put, either they are actually very rigid or they are not this. On the other hand, if you take into account the motivation seekers, motivation seekers primarily aim at the satisfaction of intrinsic factors or satisfiers. So that means they are very much responsive to they respond they are very much responsive to the these uh, motivators or intrinsic factors. See, on the other hand, we can say that motivation seekers are highly tolerant towards. The variations in dissatisfiers. Like I said, an officer, if you think the, for me, the importance is the nature of the job. So, given a choice, let's say there are two jobs in which low salary, but the job is enriched. Another one job is having more salary, but it's not that enriched. You might choose what? The job which is more enriched, but salary is low. So in that particular context, you become more tolerant towards what? The extrinsic factors or dissatisfiers. So here we are referring that motivation seekers are more tolerant towards these extrinsic factors. Moreover, they are high performers. And if you take into account the Hygiene seekers. Hygiene seekers are controlled from outside, or they, in them there is an external control, exercise of external control. Why? What is controlling them? Supervision. On the other hand, if you take it upon motivation seeker, what is in their case is the fact. They are controlled from within. So, which of these two types of seekers uh, attain self-actualization? Motivation seekers. Because they, 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 they are moved by the nature of the job. So, thereby, the possibility of enjoying the job or feeling, having a sense of fulfillment will be more with which type of uh, workers? Motivation sickness as compared to the hygiene sickness. 
So this is what is the motivation seeker and the hygiene seeker. And this is what is the Hausberg's theory in brief. Now so let's say you have an organization, you are managing an organization. Uh, which type of manpower would you like to have? Hygiene seekers or motivation seekers? Both. Motivation seekers? No. You do not have all motivation seekers because all motivation seekers are high performers. You would like to have few hygiene seekers? Yes. Eh? Yes. 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 Yes.
the, the what you say the lesser side Thank you. 
is not all individuals in both equal intensity. I mean that means that is different. He is saying he is not saying a given individual at a given point of time. He is saying people are different. There are few for whom dissatisfiers are more important, and there are few others for whom satisfiers are more important. So this is different. Okay. Because what Basro is saying, at a given point of time, one is important. Same, Harbo is not saying. Okay. So basically, if you take into account these various uh, uh, goals or needs that have been discussed respectively by Harbo and Basro, uh, it seems to be overlapping. Till this, all of you have understood? All of you? Okay. The last part. That they both are overlapping. This is the part I will be starting with in the tomorrow's class. You know, because there are certain pictorial or graphical representation is there. We'll take up that. And uh, with that, we'll enter into uh, the continuing motivational phase. We'll take up a number of other you know, motivational phases. So, any question anyone would like to ask? Meta motivational. Abhi kuch particular theory sahiye, uske liye padhenge. जिसमें हम लोग बोलते हैं सेल्फ रिगार्ड और अदर रिगार्ड सेल्फ एक्चुअलाइजेशन से सेल्फ रिगार्ड मैं वो काम क्यों कर रहा क्योंकि मुझे प्रेशर देता है कुछ काम ऐसे किए जाते हैं क्यों क्योंकि काम सेल्फ इंपॉर्टेंट है तो नॉट प्रेशर मुझे प्रेशर देता है वो काम करना जरूरी है और वो काम इसलिए कर रहा हूं मैं क्योंकि वो जरूरी है वो मेरे से कोई लेना देना नहीं है मैं उस पर खुश हो रहा हूं नहीं हो रहा हूं उटसाइडिटी Or from outside, from within. So motivators are driven from within. So those who are driven from within, they are high performers. And moreover, he was taking his empirical basis. Yeah, that is not very clear. So I do not say. No, that aspect he has not told you. Once you are a hygiene seeker, always you will be a hygiene seeker. Once you are a motivation seeker, always you will be a motivation seeker. I don't think that this aspect has changed. So I will slightly be cautious in dealing with that. So we are saying that uh, it is difficult to ascertain whether uh, someone who is at the stage of self-actualization will be an asset to the organization or not. Or not. And at the same uh, at the same time, we are saying motivation seekers are likely to more likely to attain self-actualization. Is it a good thing or? Is it a good thing? How I will explain to you. This aspect, uh, because see, we will be taking with other theories as well. This particular aspect, because see, the success of the management lies in helping others to self-actualize. So, you being a manager, you will be actually attaining efficiency if you are helping others to self-actualize. That means you are helping others to enjoy the work. You are helping others to do the job in a manner that job doesn't appear to be burdensome. 
rather appear to them as fulfilling. So that aspect looks like good way. अब लग रहा है कि एक में होने लगा है सब कुछ बहुत ज़्यादा वो होने लगा है रिलेटिव ज़्यादा